0: get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35.
1: Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Dory Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. Nope, nope, definitely not. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And we have a voicemail where you can tell us about your serum purchases or really anything else. It's 781. <laughs> Truly anything. <laughs> five nine one zero three nine zero we also accept texts texts at that number um and our email is forever thirty five podcast at gmail dot com and you can find us and many listeners of our podcast
0: on facebook and our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash forever thirty five podcast
1: uh the password is serums and if you like the show we wouldn't hate a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we appreciate it very much. And, you know, tell a friend about the show. Spread the word. And uh, a reminder that all products mentioned
0: are always on our website, forever35podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast and on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod.
1: Um, so we are recording this on Monday night. And today, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. California announced some new restrictions, kind of Mm. rolling back some of the openings that they had allowed, which, you know, I'm kind of like, why were these things allowed in the first place? But I guess it's good they're rolling them back. I mean, would I prefer?
0: Yes. You in charge? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Me? I wish you had been making these decisions for us.
1: Thank you so much, Kate. You know, I had a thought today, and I am just putting this out into the universe because maybe someone else can run with it. But do you remember, I believe it was on May 29th when Garcetti announced that indoor dining was going to resume or that bars were opening. Like, it, it was... It was like, oh, yeah, the outdoor dining program was announced on May 29th. But he was like, it's starting tonight. Like, it happened super fast. And the same thing, I feel like the same thing happened with, like, bars and restaurants. Anyway, I was like, I should do a public records request and find out, like, what really went down with that? Interesting. Okay, look at you, Detective Dory. Putting on my detective cap. I'm not going to do it because... (laughs) Because you have other things have to other do. Other things to do, but I was like, there, there was something shady going on here. I'm just gonna say it.
0: I am I, I mean, as I was telling you before we pressed record on this podcast, I'm feeling a little bit despondent about the state of things right yeah. now be- because it was also announced today that uh LAUSD, which is the Los Angeles school district, the second largest in the country, I believe, is um doing full-time distance learning, which um Affects my children, yeah. and then San Diego is also doing that. And I'm not—I I actually I'm not like despondent about. I, I mean, obviously I worry about my children, of course, um, and what this means in terms of like impacting their social, and emotional well being and their education. But I also know like that they're going to be okay, and I am feeling like there are going to be so many kids like deeply affected by this in such a negative way. And I'm so angry about (laughs) so many things. I'm Mm -hmm. so angry that like certain things were prioritized. And I just like, I don't know how we dig ourselves out of this hole that our country is in. I mean, this is just, it's just, it's just beyond. And, you know, California is the first, we go back to school pretty early. Um, We go back August 17th here. So this is, you know, five, four, five weeks away. But, you know, as school begins to get back in session, I imagine other communities are going to find themselves in the same situation. And so many families are just going to be completely, I, I just don't know how people are going to do it. And there's been no thought into how, how this is going to affect families and kids. And I'm just, I'm feeling very angry. Yeah. I'm feeling very angry. Feeling very angry. And, um, like angry on behalf of just a vague, the vague world. I don't know. I, I, I'm not even sure what to say. I'm just, I'm I'm really feeling it tonight. And, uh,
1: it's really infuriating.
0: It's infuriating. I'm just so mad. I'm so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm also like, look, I think it's the right choice. And, I want our teachers to be safe. Like, there's no easy answer here. Yeah. There's just no, like, systems put in place to help the people who need it most. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know where we go from here. So anyway, I, I'm sorry to be such a downer. I want to no. tell you that I, f- I, I finished a face mist and I wanted to give it a score of we'll buy it again. Like, I want to okay. just talk about mists yes fuck this freaking world anyway what i've been doing to make myself feel better is just misting the fuck out of myself as if like if i just spray my face hard enough this will all go away i mean hey (laughs) it hasn't worked (sighs) worked. i'm sorry that's okay but i did want to give a shout out to the josh rosebrook hydrating accelerator mist i finished a bottle it's an empty, and I will buy it again. And I want to make this declaration: it will be my plane mist if I ever go on a plane again. Wow! This will be—it's very hydrating, and this will be the thing I bring. To and they make a travel size, two ounce, perfect for travel. So this will be okay. the thing I bring on a plane. Okay, Josh Rosebrook, I see you. I like you. <laughs> I like your stuff. I'm coming for you to say thank you.
1: <gasps> oh. But this,
0: this, this mist is like. It's a top, it's top notch. I have so many other mists to go through, but I
1: kind of just want to buy this again and keep using it. So, wow.
0: Okay. That is a a good one.
1: Strong Kate Spencer endorsement.
0: Well, you know, I gotta, gotta, gotta bring something to the table here. (laughs) And you know, I'm misting all the time, even during a pandemic. So (laughs) I am going through those bottles. Wow. Do you, do you mist all day? No, I normally like after I get out of the shower or wash my face, I give myself like, a real mist. So in the mm-hmm. morning and and night, and then like if I'm just in the bathroom and I see it, I give myself a little spritz.
1: Okay, okay. You know, I have to. I have a confession to make, Kate. Yesterday, I too have been misting. Come on, <laughs> you know there is
0: there's a real void in not seeing each other like in person all the time. <gasps> I <because> know. <laughs>
1: I feel like this would have come up. <gasps> I agree. You've been misting? Who I've are been you? i misting. I know. You've really had an influence on me. Um, I've been using a rosewater toner. The TJs or just like the super basic rosewater
0: toner? Um, or no. The or doc- the Thayer? Witch Hazel? Which nope. rosewater toner? None of milk those. Milk and Honey. Milk I've been and honey. using
1: Milk and Honey and I've been using Botnia.
0: Ooh, mm-hmm. look at you.
1: Yep. When, what step is this in your
0: skincare routine?
1: It is a number one, like after I get out of the shower or, you know, clean my face, I spritz. And then I apply my serum while my face is still moist from the mist.
0: That's the way to do it.
1: Yeah. 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 That makes me kind of feel like I've
0: had a positive influence on you. Oh, you definitely have. For sure. There's something nice about spraying the toner directly onto your face. Like, isn't there something,
1: and just kind of feeling it like drip down and absorb? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. Okay, I'm a See, fan. For sure. What can I say? I'm a fan. So I you approve. Are... Okay. Approve of this right. rebuy. It's so good
0: i might I might send you a little bottle just to try.
1: Oh, thank you. This
0: stuff is good. There's aloe in it,
1: I think it's just. Mm, Ooh. Mm, mm. uh, you watched Palm Springs on Hulu? Yes, yeah, so you had a prod recommendation. I have some pop culture recommendations. Um, I really enjoyed Palm Springs, which is a movie, a new movie on Hulu starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milanotti. Is that who you say her name? <laughs> I think it's Christine Millotti. Christine Millotti? Um Mili
0: Miliotti. Kristen Miliotti.
1: Kate got it wrong. Yeah, Kate got Kristen it wrong. Kristen Miliotti. Um, who is wonderful. I never really watched How I Met Your Mother, so I was not really Right, because she's the mother. She's right? the mother, yeah. Spoiler? <laughs> oh sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean spoiler I mean, for a TV show that, that show ended <laughs> like, 5 years ago, yeah. 6 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Um she is wonderful. The movie is wonderful. It was not at all what I was expecting. Um highly recommend. It's kind of a perfect quarantine movie. I'll I'll reveal the conceit which isn't really a spoiler because it's revealed in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Um It's basically Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like they're reliving their, um, the same day over and over again at a wedding in Palm Springs. And it just gets real weird and like surprisingly deep and funny. I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. It's only 90 minutes. So it's kind of like a perfect, a perfect watch. Um, (sighs) Have to get on it. You have to get on it. I also started watching "I May Destroy You" on HBO Max, which is so 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 good. That's Michaela Cole's uh, new show. She's the woman who did chewing gum. Um, I watched two episodes. I'm really trying to savor it, but it, because it's on HBO, it's not it's not like a total binge. Like they, the episodes are coming out weekly, and I think there's as of this week there's six maybe. Um, but that and the movie where that was like the first tv i'd really like sat down to watch in a while and it was nice i've i'm um, that's another show i'm dying to watch i just
0: I, for some reason i'm having a very hard time like sitting down and watching things i feel like my same. attention span is
1: really short and limited right now but same i was I, really struggling and both of these i i reckon i think both of these are great for this time because they, they do kind of suck you in immediately yeah okay Okay. Kate, you can watch stuff. You can do it. Um, All right. Well, we also wanted to give everyone a little update on some of the social justice initiatives that we have decided to do in light of everything that's been going on. Um, I believe we mentioned a few weeks ago that we were developing these and... We have developed them, and now we want to tell you about them. <laughs>
0: yes, and we should say that we did this alongside um, Sam, who's our project manager. Yes, she was helpful in in coming up with coming up with these um, these steps that we would like to take. So, the first thing we did um, was we signed the Equality in Audio Initiative, which was created by Broccoli Content, and we did it on behalf of our show and ourselves as producers of
1: podcasts. And we'll include a link so you can read what that entails. Um, And then we are going to be sending recurring financial support for three organizations whose mission we really... Believed in um, the first is Girl Trek, which is the largest public health nonprofit for African American women and girls in the United States. Um, they encourage women to use walking as a practical first step to inspire healthy living, families, and communities. And women organize walking teams, and then they like mobilize community members to support monthly advocacy efforts and lead a civil rights-inspired health movement. Which yes, it's very cool.
0: Yes, and I have to shout out
1: Danielle Henderson,
0: R- real. OG early on Forever 35 guest who mentioned Girl Trek on their Instagram. And that's how I first became aware of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So thank you, Danielle. Yeah.
0: Um, the second organization is SE justice. They are a group uh, and a nonprofit organization of women with incarcerated loved ones taking on
1: quote, the rampant injustices created by mass incarceration. And then the last organization that we will be supporting is called Sister Song. It is a Southern based national membership organization and they, their goal is to build an effective network of individuals and organizations to improve institutional policies and systems that impact the reproductive lives of marginalized communities. Um, And then we will also be supporting the Patreon of women of color podcasters. Um, and or we are supporting the Patriot of Women of Color podcas- Podcasters. I shouldn't say we will be. Um. So, yeah, so we will link to all of these organizations in our show notes and on our website if you want to check them out also. But we're really excited about all of these um, organizations and all the initiatives that they are doing.
0: Yeah. Another thing we are committing to doing, which is something we've talked about a little bit Um over the past couple of years, but is kind of uh, committing to something we're calling right now office hours. Um, I'm sure we can come up with a more clever name, but uh, we are each committing to two hours a month of office hours so that anyone who would like to can pick our brain about podcasting, any any other relevant topics. Um, we will have a little sheet people can fill out to request time, and then um, we will find a way, or we have created a way, for um, people who are interested to schedule time with us. But it's specifically to provide um, people with uh, a way to kind of re- receive advice or mentorship or just get our thoughts on anything podcast related.
1: And we should say we would we would like to prioritize um, underrepresented voices in podcasting.
0: Yes. For these office hours.
1: And we will link to, we will have a link to a Google form that if you're interested in having office hours with us, you can fill out the form and then someone will get in touch with you about scheduling. Can't wait to see you in the office. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are also. Talking with our network, Acast, about using available ad space for free podcast advertising for BIPOC-led shows. So you might be hearing some more ads for some podcasts that we um, are excited that we're about. excited about. Yep.
0: Yeah, we support
1: and listen to and listen to. Yes. Um, we also are main. We we this is this is something that we've been talking about a lot from the beginning of the show but wanted to sort of codify it which is that we want to maintain a diverse slate of guests on our show and we had our amazing project manager Sam do a kind of diversity audit of our guests um from the beginning of the podcast. And so what we found was that of our total guests, 60% of them have been white, 40% of them have been people of color. And of the 40% who have been people of color, 50% of those have been black. Um, so we don't think we're doing a bad job diversity-wise, but you know we definitely think we can do better. So we are aiming to increase that ratio um, to have more guests who are people of color. Yes. Um, and we're also setting up a
0: form for people to pitch po- pitch podcast ideas um, with priority given to Black, Indigenous, people of color. Anyone who has
1: an idea, please submit it.
0: Um, we'd love to read your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that we're doing is an initiative with Vote Forward, which we've mentioned on the pod before, but we're doing a kind of more formal partnership with them and our first letter writing party with them will be sunday july 19th so this sunday at 4:30 p.m. pacific 7:30 p.m. eastern and more info will be coming on our social media about how to sign up very soon but let's just let's just say we will all be together in video form. Yes. And we're really, really excited about that. And we're, we're open to other social justice actions as a community. So if you have suggestions um, along those lines, please do let us know.
0: Yeah. And I, I do want to add that this stuff is, this is really important to us as individuals and also as um, people in the podcasting space. And we've gotten some feedback of people asking us to focus less on discussing, Ah, uh, social justice and white supremacy and disenfranchisement. I can't talk disenfranchisement of communities in America, but this is this is really important to us, um, and so we will continue to be talking about it
1: while also recommending serums, while also talking about face mists. Yeah, because we contain multitudes we do and (laughs) on that note on that note we're gonna take a break we are and then when we come back we will be talking to otta bernier um who is the founder of a really cool company called skill crush
0: yeah which will make you you will want to sign up for it immediately once you hear from her. yeah she's so cool
1: all right be right right back
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store
1: or SleepNumber.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's... At vacations. I mean, it, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology, that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, Oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank Once you. you, once you start wearing honey love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back.
0: You see also, how it could like, be.
1: Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires is like ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever.
0: Dot com slash forever to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash forever35.
1: Our guest today is Ada Bernier, the CEO and co-founder of Skill Crush, an interactive tech learning platform with friendly instructors, an active student community, and a laser focus on helping you achieve your career goals with technology. With her self-taught tech skills, she has built sites for the New York Times and MTV, and her work has been featured in the BBC, Fast Company, NBC, and Mashable. Welcome to Forever Thirty Five, Ada.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, so I think you're the first tech founder that we've had on the show. Is that
0: right? Oh, wow. Kate? No
2: pressure. I,
1: <laughs> I think so.
0: <laughs> and we should we should also tell you. We received an email in March from a listener, um, and I want to read a little bit of it. They said, I'm studying coding. I love it so much, although it's very difficult for me sometimes. I have grand hopes that it can bring me out of underemployment. And they said they live paycheck to paycheck, but everyone tells them to learn coding or Python, and it used to annoy them very much. Then they said, I thought I couldn't do it, but then I found a website called Skill Crush. It was girly friendly and had pictures of cats. I had tried several online schools before and fell out of place and incapable. Skillcrush truly made me feel like I could do it. Could you interview more women in coding? Could you interview Ada, the founder of Skillcrush? <laughs> wow. That's so nice. And it was a really sweet email. And it was this of What struck me about it was how empowered they felt and how. Through Skillcrush, they were able to kind of come to that on their own. Obviously, they had the site and everything there at their fingertips, but it, that idea that like you could course, change course, especially in a career on your own was amazing. So, I would love to know more about the founding of Skillcrush, what it means to be an online coding program, and what you offer to people especially um, women identified people
2: yeah um it's funny that email really um, sparks for me we were just doing some interviews with past students and it's funny because you know in the online coding space there's a lot of these schools that do this kind of this thing they call a job guarantee which I put in quotes because it's not really – like, they can't – nobody can guarantee you a job. That's just not possible. So what they do instead is they just give you a refund if you don't get a job. Um, and anyway, this – anyway, so basically a lot of people are, like, you know, talk like, when they come to us, they're, like, well, can you guarantee us a job and stuff? And, of course, that's what we work on with students. But at the same time, like, the thing that – I know is actually the most valuable that students get out of our program is like both confidence and sort of a, a, a shift in perspective from feeling like there's no options for them to like there's so many options for them and they can go in mm-hmm. any direction they want and we were just interviewing a student and she said that like she was like I just feel like this whole like thing has opened up for me and I you know and I was just like it's it's hard cuz when you're talking to prospective students it's hard to like explain the value of that, but that is kind of like, to me, that's really where I think that's what gets me really excited is when I hear students, you know, achieve that change of perspective. Um, so I love that email. It's really beautiful. Um, so yeah. Where do you want me to begin with how I founded it or what it is or. just How about what it is and then how it came
0: into being.
2: Okay, so Skillcrush is an online, uh, we call it the online coding school with the heart. And um, what that means in practice is that we're an online um, school. And um, basically, you sign up or you enroll in one of our programs. And depending on the program, you get access to different classes. Um, our most popular program is called the Break into Tech course package. And it gives you access to sort of the biggest package of um, both tech and career focused, um, content. And the purpose of it is really to take you from, I've never coded, you know, a line of code in my life to, I am ready to, and I'm in the process of applying for, um, jobs as a developer or designer, sort of depending on, um, which path you decide to go in. Um, so people ask this question of, you know, um, you know, why should I pay to learn to code when I can seemingly do it for free. And, and I, like I said, I think it's an understandable question. And it's a reasonable question for anyone who's looking to, you know, make a big investment in themselves. But um, at the end of the day, like, sometimes I feel like I'm kind of like, well, you're, you're sort of questioning sort of the whole premise of like, Education, Right. And the idea of like a teacher and as a, an important role in the education process. Um, so we really believe that teachers are play a fundamental role in the education process. And that's not something that you can outsource to a computer. Um, and um, so that's so we just have teachers and they're awesome and they help our students um, throughout the whole process. Um, so the material itself is self, is pre recorded, so there's videos and exercises and stuff like that. But if you at any point get stuck or confused, which is absolutely inevitable and it's just is like a healthy part of the learning process, um, you can reach out to one of our instructors and get support. Um, and then in, on top of that, um, we also do career coaching and mentorship. So we'll actually work with students in terms of like putting together all their resume and portfolio and identifying good jobs to apply to and, you know, um, uh, doing sort of test interview things and all of that stuff. It's kind of, I mean, really like, you know, we, the way we try to think about it is from all of our own experiences of transitioning from non-technical workers to technical workers, which for the majority of my staff Um, we did not have computer science degrees. um, So we did not sort of graduate with those kind of official credentials. And so we all transitioned in different ways. And the thing we always ask ourselves is like, what were the really challenging aspects of that? And how can we make that easier for our students? Um, And then of course, we also really believe in doing a lot of user-centered design, which basically just means that we work with our students to understand what challenges they have that maybe haven't occurred to us and make sure that we address them. But that is kind of, skill fresh in a nutshell. And then also to your point, um, our audience and our students are overwhelmingly women um, and disproportionately women of color, which is a point of pride for me, um, because it basically is totally different than what you see in virtually every other educational um, setting when you're talking about tech education. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Ada, we would love to hear what your
1: background was prior to founding Skill Crush.
2: Yes. So, um, I basically graduated college with, um, two extremely marketable degrees, which was, um, studio art and African-American studies. Um, and I moved to New York and I thought I was going to work for artists, um, which I did actually. <laughs> so I guess I didn't just think it, I did it, but, um, basically, I just realized very quickly that um, there were some major downsides that I had not anticipated to that type of work, which was basically it wasn't very well paid. It wasn't very stable. Um, You end up working for these personalities that are, you know, can be hard to um, work for and stuff like that. So anyways, it was interesting. And I learned a lot. But um, basically, I started looking for something a little bit, um, yeah, more stable and more regular and maybe not so eccentric. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up, um, I was sort of got lucky that my, when I did my photography degree, I, um, it was like right when everything was moving from analog to from film to digital. And so I learned how to use Photoshop and do photo editing and that kind of stuff. And basically, because of that one technical skill, I was able to get a um, job as a, as a, online photo editor for an online um newsletter at the time was called flavor pill it was like an early um, email newsletter yeah Yeah, we know flavor pill (laughs) we know (laughs) um yeah so and then basically what happened at flavor pill flavor pill was one of those places that it's funny like looking back on it um it was so great in so many ways. I think at the time, you know, when you're young and you haven't worked at a lot of different places, you're kind of um, quick to to have complaints and not really appreciate. But one of the things that they did that was really, really fortunate for me was that it was one of those places where they kind of hired um, smart young people and um, kind of let them do whatever they wanted, really. So I've kind of had, I just had an enormous amount of freedom. And what it you know, I had this job to do, which is to pick all these images for the newsletter. But it got to the point where I could do that without it taking up all of my time. And then I could sort of like I was and then they kind of let me do whatever I want with the rest of my time. And so that's when I first got exposure to kind of the whole started to get exposure to the whole world of tech. Um, and it was really just as simple as like, they had s- sat me instead of putting me in the editorial side, um, they sat me with all the developers. And I was like, what is it you guys do all day long, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just so funny because I do think there is this aspect of technology that we all, that is a struggle for everybody, which is that it's like, there's this element of like, you see it, but you don't see it, right? Like, it's like, we all interact with technology all day long, but we don't kind of, you know, like, even, even though none of us like take apart our toaster and like, look at how it all comes together. Like, we understand that we could do that, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard to, 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 do that with a digital thing. Like, I mean, now I could tell you how to do it cause I've learned how, but I don't think it's not obvious to sort of like any person who's using a phone or a computer. Um, and so I just think there's like, I just remember being like this code, like where, where does the code live? Um, And luckily for me, they were very, very nice and friendly developers. um, And they sort of thought it was funny that I was interested in these questions. I think they just didn't have a lot of people asking them these types of questions. And so um, they started answering my questions. Um, And then this was like, by now it was 2008. And then you know, FlavorPill at the time was considered sort of like a media property and basically... Um, in 2008, like first the financial industry like cratered and then immediately after that, the sort of advertising media business cratered um, and they did a round of layoffs at Flavor Pill, and I actually didn't get laid off, but it kind of said to me like, hey, you know, that was like the shot across the bat, like you might want to look for other work. And so um, I went and I got a job at a digital advertising agency, which for some ridiculous reason I thought would be... <laughs> A safer place to be. And so I changed jobs in early 2009 and then um, pretty much immediately got laid off. And um, when I got laid off from that advertising agency, um, it was a digital agency. And so the, the makeup of the staff was like, Sixty percent developers, and then there was like a strategy department and this production department, and I was the production department, um, or I was part of the production department, and they basically just like gutted the production, and they basically gutted everybody who wasn't a technical worker, and um, that to me just felt like you know like a really clear message that I was getting. I don't think I would have put it in this these terms, but I think like nowadays I'd say like from the universe that was like listen, girlfriend, um, if you like want to not get laid off, um, you're going to have to have some more sort of hard skills that you have to bring to the table. Um, And I think up until that point, I had been really interested in learning more technical skills, but had been really, um, like I really thought these like completely now in retrospect, like ridiculous thoughts. Like I, I remember literally thinking like, what if coding is like, the one thing I can't figure out how to do, you know, like at that point, I had like, gotten into college and done well in college and like, you know, quote unquote, like succeeded at everything I tried, but I was like really sincerely convinced that coding was going to be the thing that like, I just couldn't do it. Um, and that had really held me back from trying it. Um, but getting laid off is great in that you, your back (laughs) is against a wall and you do all kinds of things you didn't know you could do. Um, and so I basically started to learn to code. And because I had made those friends who were developers, um, you know, they were able to sort of point me in the right direction. Um and just it was just one of those things where you kind of take a leap of faith and um it wasn't immediate that it started paying off for me, but it was like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like pretty much immediate. And so I almost immediately started freelancing. Um, And then, you know, I sort of just kind of built up my experience um, working for clients um, and then got, you know, a full-time freelance position and then another full-time freelance position. And um, it just was one of those things that like just kind of snowballed like beyond what I could have ever imagined that it would do. Um, And the result was like within three years, I had... Um teamed up with a friend of mine, and we had started a web design development agency and we had like three employees <laughs> and I was like, Wait a second, how did I get here? Um, and we're working for clients like The New York Times and ProPublica and um, all these really cool media companies in New York um, as for hire uh, data journalists at that point. Um, and it was amazing. Um, but I also you know really had this strong desire to start a, my own company that wasn't work for hire. Um, and um, anyways, to make a long story short, I, all of this inspired us to start sort of the early version of Skill Crash. And, but the irony of this is that like, I had this desire to start a company where I was sort of selling directly to consumers or doing some kind of service that you know, it was like a product that we could sell. Um, but we didn't actually think that Skill Crush was a viable business. Um, for us, it was really just a passion project. Um, and then it was just one of those experiences where it's like you're trying different things. And and then you have this thing on the side that is like this thing you really love, but you just don't think is viable. And then, of course, it's the only one that anyone has any interest in. Um, and so that was kind of my first lesson in, um, you know, sort of market research and listening to the feedback that you get. Um, And then just, you know, sort of over the course of about a year or so, um, we figured out like what Skillcrush could possibly be in terms of being a business and then built it up from there, launched it in 2012. Um, I think we'd probably been working on it in some part for about a year at that point. And yeah, I feel like I've been talking for a long time. No, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, you said like 50 different things that I wanted to like different threads that I think we could pull, but I thought it was really interesting when you talked about how, when you're laid off and your back is against the wall, you almost feel more able, not even able to take risks, but it's like, what do you have to lose? Like you've already lost, you've lost your job. Everything, there's so much risk already with finances, especially during the um, recession in 2008. It was a really scary time. Um, What what advice, what thoughts do you have for people who are in that position now? I mean, there is, obviously it's different. We're in a pandemic and it's, things are not going to shift that quickly, but the kind of ability to look around you and figure out, what you're curious about, and how you can explore it and possibly turn it into a career.
2: Yeah, I have so many thoughts about this. It has been so fascinating, in obviously, like a very, um, you know, challenging and sad way to watch everything that's played out over the last couple of months. But it's been really interesting um, from this exact perspective, right? Because for me, like, you know, my entire career was born out of, a reaction to the last recession. And Skill Crush is included in that. And um, I'm going to sort of, I mean, it's just so funny, because like, I had, you know, like, I had sort of written about my story. And that's kind of a big part of, you know, the sort of genesis of Skill Crush, we share that story with our students and stuff like that. And, you know, it was funny rereading that stuff, because it was like, I had written things like it happened so quickly. (laughs) It was so crazy, right? Like all these things that I was like, it was like totally like it took months (laughs) at the time, right? Like it was like, in retrospect, like, like literally our economy. I live in New York, right? Like it cratered overnight. And it was insane. And um, so it's been so interesting to see that. And then also at the same time, it's been so interesting to see like the same lesson I took away from that recession. I feel like is being screamed at us in this moment, right? Like, it's like if if you ever doubted that tech and tech skills and digital fluency was relevant, like you should not doubt that anymore. Um, and obviously this is extraordinary circumstances, and I hope and pray, along with everybody else in the world right now, that you know, like our dependence on technology is not gonna be so extreme um, forever. But I, you know, I just, I still think that it, you know, to a certain degree, like, this is the direction that the world is going. um, And, you know, we're living it. Um, But to your point about sort of like these kinds of situations spurring us into action, I mean, I think that I have um, an amazing business coach, and he was talking to me about this um, sort of change model, which is basically it says that people in order to make change, they have to be both motivated to make the change and have confidence that they can make it. And so the example would be like, I am a smoker and I want to quit smoking. But um, I have, you know, but I so I might be very motivated to quit smoking because I know it's bad for me. But I've like tried a patch and I've tried the gum and I've like tried cold turkey and none of those have worked for me before. So I have very low confidence that I'll be able to quit smoking. So I don't even bother trying. Um, and I think that's a little bit like that was sort of a revelation for me to hear that put that way. Because I think we tend to think that it's all about motivation. And that's the only thing that matters. Um, but it really isn't. And so what he was saying, which I think is really interesting, is that sometimes the motivation is so strong, however, that it can sort of overcome all of our confidence issues. And I think that's really what we're seeing at this moment. So in the smoking example, that would be like, maybe you tried to quit smoking a bunch of times, but then you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, if you don't quit smoking, like you've only got six months to live. And then you're like, screw it. I've tried all these other things before they haven't worked, but like, it's so important. I will like want to live so badly that I'm going to make it work. And I think that's sort of a good analogy for what's happening at this moment. And it's really interesting for us, like with enrolling students, because the concerns that students tend to have, like what we see with people who come to us is that they don't have a motivation problem. Like they know they don't like their jobs. They know they want to make more money. Like we don't have to convince them that they have a problem to solve, but their concern is always, you know, and I think this is borne out in that email that you got from your listener. Um, their concern is always like, can I do this? Am I, um, am I going to like it? Um, am I too old to do it? Is it too confusing? Does it take too much math, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what's really interesting in moments like this, um, is that like you just, yeah, you get to this point where like, well, I've lost my job. So like my concern to about being able to pay for my house (laughs) is so great that like, I'm going to try anything, including yeah. something that I think I'm too old for or, you know, not going to be able to hack it or whatever.
0: And and do you find that the answer, I mean, the answer to me as I'm listening to you talk is like, of course, no one's too old. Like you can, you can do it. Um, do, do you find there's certain people
2: that are better suited to a career in tech, especially in coding? not in any sort of like demographic way um i think like the the two things i have to say about concerns around age is one, um, it's hilarious because the concern around age is a concern that knows no age. Like I literally had an, an email the other day from someone who's 21 asking if they were too old. <laughs> so, um, you know, like I think people in their 40s are like, no, that's a legitimate concern for me. But I'm like, yeah, but you'd be shocked at the how young people can be um, and have that concern. Um, the other thing that I like to say, and I totally stolen this from a really amazing friend of mine named um, Stacey Marie Ishmael. and I think she always points out in these discussions is that age discrimination is illegal. Um, so, you know, obviously it doesn't mean that people don't do it, but like, just as a reminder, like, it's not legal for anyone to discriminate people based on age. Um, and so I like to joke that that includes, I like to ask my um, students to refrain from, you know, breaking employment and labor laws when they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> but um In terms of people, no, I mean, I think that's what's so beautiful about tech is that like it it touches every aspect of our lives and it goes totally across industry. So they're just like there really is a place in tech for everybody. I truly believe that. Um, And I think the only thing that really matters is that people are interested in it. Like I think as long as you're into it, then like you're going to do great and you're going to find the spot that like is a fit for you.
1: You've written about how people can incorporate tech into their non-tech jobs. Um, so, what would you recommend for someone who has no technical skills or background, doesn't want to necessarily like become a coder? Um, but what can they do in their jobs now, and how can this help them in their careers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that technical fluency is valuable in almost any job. It's hard to like give really specific answers because I do think the context matters. Um so obviously like what like a teacher does is going to be different than like what a, you know, somebody working in hospitality or something like that. But um I you know the experience I had when I got into tech was that it's like I I felt literally like I had like fallen through the looking glass and it was like this whole world existed and I had vaguely been aware that it was there. But when I got to the other side and sort of for me, like the sort of the chasm I feel like I crossed was like understanding coding and how like digital things come together. Um, Once I had gotten over that and sort of gotten insight into that, like I really, really did feel like there was a secret world that was operating right in front of my nose. And this world was like way bigger and way more powerful than I could have ever possibly fathomed. Um, And I think that having that perspective is so powerful Um, and how that applies to you is going to vary. But I just think that it's kind of like, there's just like this world of possibilities that you really have a hard time, I think, accessing without at least a basic sort of technical knowledge and fluency. And I think this is why the whole sort of like learn to code movement among like kids in elementary school is so strong because, and I don't think the answer, I don't think that's about making every single person. I think it's often misinterpreted that everyone thinks that if you learn to code, you're going to become a software developer. And I don't think that's the case at all, but I think it is sort of like a basic fluency that does really give you access to um, a really powerful. I mean, functionally like what we're talking about is the ability to use this tool the computer in like the most expansive way that it can be used Um, and the way that you do that is by using coding and all coding is is a way to give directions to the computer Um, but what the computer allows us to do and i think to a certain extent like it's not like you have to know how to code in order to be able to take advantage of these aspects of the computer like obviously you guys are you know podcasting is an amazing example of like Sort of the ability to, right? Like it used to be that you had to like get on the radio and like it was really clunky and there was lots of, you know, it took all of this like apparatus and all these people. And so like getting those opportunities was really hard to come by. And now because of podcasting and things like Zencaster, you know, four of us can get on this and like make it happen and make a podcast that is heard by. Millions of people, billions, I'm sure, in your audience um, (laughs) around the world. Um, And that is like an amazing capacity, like opportunity that computers have made possible for us. And I think, um, so it's not to say that you can't take advantage of that through not coding or through, you know, through other avenues. But I think, you know, coding is kind of like, it's like the most powerful tool, right? Like that you can... what's a better way to say that? It's like, it's like the least intermediated version of using this tool.
0: So can I ask you, how then do you, as a person who not only works in tech, but sees the possibilities of what it can offer, find self-care in things that the computers and technology can provide, but also balances out the things that might not be beneficial cuz i really struggle with what what we can access and the ways it can either have a positive or negative impact on my life and my practice my self-care practices
2: yeah i mean I hear that for sure. Um, I mean, I think it's funny, actually, like one of the things that has been really bad for me in terms of my um, computer usage has been having a baby, ironically, Um, because I used to, for example, have like a rule, which is I never took the phone into my bedroom ever. Um, And I think that to a certain extent, when, when you work on the computer all day, like, you just you like i guess i'll just speak for myself i just found the need to like really create clear boundaries and that was one of them um but ironically because with when you like at least when i had it when i had my son um back in september i was like obsessively tracking breastfeeding so <laughs> cuz i think like i don't know one of my it's, it's funny, like, now he's seven months old, and it's, like, your perspective already is, like, so different than when you first have a baby. Um, and at first, I was, like, terrified that I, like, forget to feed him, which, like, now I'm, like, that's hilarious. Like, he'll let you know if he wants to be fed. But, like, anyway, so I was, like, obsessively tracking, like, how much I had breastfed and, like, when I had breastfed to make sure I had – I wouldn't, like – miss a feeding. And um and anyway, so that just led to me having my phone in my bedroom all the time. And now I still have my phone in my bedroom all the time. And it's totally a problem that I need to address. But yeah, I mean it's challenging for sure. And you know, I think for me one of the biggest challenges has also as an entrepreneur um has been And I run an all remote company, right. And like, so I literally run my company from my laptop, and like my laptops around all the time. And like, what's to stop me from working all the time. Um, And that's just been an ongoing process. Um, And I think, you know, I think that when you start a company, it's really intense. And so I think a certain of this certain aspect of this was just the nature of starting a business. But I definitely got to the point like three or four years in where I sort of woke up one day and was like, I can't keep living like this. And the big, you know, revelation for me was to not work on weekends. Um, But I don't know. I feel like I'm not really offering anything like mind blowing here, except to say that like, yes, I struggle with it too. And it's hard and it's an ever evolving process of sort of going too far and then reeling it back in and trying to set proper boundaries.
1: What are some best practices for people who are managing remotely for the first time?
2: um okay one is really obvious to me but doesn't always seem to be obvious to other people which is that I really do believe that you have to be on video (laughs) when you're managing Mm -hmm. people um it's surprising to me how often people will not be on video um and I think I do understand and I think that you know at this point I've just been in this so long that I don't think about this um but I do think you do have to really create a culture of like you know come as you are like it's fine like you can have your hair all disheveled and like whatever like it's still you know you have to sort of create a culture that's like okay with that and where people feel comfortable because i do understand that and especially in this moment where we're at home and our kids are here and our houses are a mess and like we you know whatever like you know didn't take a shower this morning it can be hard um to sort of feel comfortable with that although i will say on the flip side like this is my favorite part of the pandemic is like watching tv and like seeing all the people who celebrities on tv who are used to having like hair and makeup done for them <laughs> and seeing what they yeah. look like when they don't have that it's it's really humanizing and it like makes me feel so much better i totally love it but anyway so um but I, there's just so much communication that happens visually and if you don't like if you don't have video on i just think you're missing out on a huge opportunity i think it's a really big part of sort of making sure that everyone's on the same page that everyone feels good that you're like you know i just think there's a lot of cues that you would miss um so that would be like my number one like super obvious thing um and then i do think that you know like for us the way this kind of played out was that um we i started the company and there was like three of us and then we got to like five and then we got to eight. Um, and it was really interesting to see how like everything that had worked when we were five people, like totally fell apart at eight people. And then very quickly we doubled to 16 and then like really all hell broke loose. And I think one of the things I've sort of come to believe is that I do think sort of issues around organization management, um, are harder to manage when you're remote. Like, I think there's a certain element of like that kind of stuff that can get worked out in person in informal avenues that won't get worked out in, um, in a remote environment. So I just think you have to be more on top of things like project management, documenting stuff, following up, like having mechanisms for that. And, you know, for us, we use, um, and I apologize ahead of time for the fact that I'm about to use a tech jargon word, which is, um, we use a process called Scrum, which is a sort of traditional software development process. And it's basically just a project management process. Um, that is designed to be sort of very iterative. Um, and it basically means that, you know, I sometimes like to think that it's almost like a religious practice because (laughs) what you do is like, um, every week you do a thing called a sprint and then, Um, you start with like a planning meeting where you plan what you're going to do. You commit to a certain amount of work. And then every day you do a 15 minute check-in where you discuss kind of the progress that you've made. And then, um, at the end of the the sprint time period, you do a review where you review all the work and give feedback. And then the most important part, and I think this is the part that people are most likely to skip is that you do a retro. Um, and so you, like we spend an hour every week reflecting on the last week and talking about it and working through any issues that came up. Um, and it's so easy to deprioritize that and it will just like bite you in the ass every time (laughs) if you do. Um, and just doing it every week is it's like, it's so helpful. Um, and I, I do, it's like my religious practice every week. So I do, I would also recommend that, I guess, put a video on and do a weekly retro and I think you'll actually probably be okay. Um, Cause it's like all the other stuff is detailed and all the other stuff is stuff that is so individual to each company. But as long as you have a process of working, like surfacing the problems and working through them, then you'll be okay.
0: That's such good advice. Yeah. I love that idea. I've never even, I've never had that in any, um,
1: any job. Kate, we're going to start that.
0: I, Dory, I was just thinking that that's such an interesting, like such a great idea.
2: Yeah, it's so funny. My husband's a teacher. And I mean, of course, like right now is like murder and mayhem for all teachers. I like feel so bad for them. I can't even, um, but I am always like, he's like talking to like, he'll like talk to me about like challenges they're having in his department and stuff like that. And I'm like, how often do you guys retro? And he's like, what are you talking? It's like blank stare. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's your problem. You have no process for like addressing issues as they come up, you know? So yeah, I recommend it.
0: What are some of your daily self-care practices and how have they changed during this wild global pandemic time?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because, again, like for me, like I had a baby in the end of September and was on maternity leave until January. And then I came back part time and I went full time in February and my son went to daycare for like six weeks maybe five weeks. I'm not even sure. And we got two colds and a stomach flu. Um, and then the world went crazy. (laughs) So I'm very much trying to figure it out. Um, you know, it's been funny. I have, um, yeah. I mean, self-care, I think with a baby is really challenging. Um, my husband does an amazing thing. Luckily, lucky for me, two things. One, he's a teacher. So he's used to getting up early second. He's a morning person. So I'm very fortunate that he, um, basically my son wakes up in the morning and he takes him and lets me sleep in. So that is probably the single most important piece of self-care. And it's really, it's like, um, it's like heavily enabled self-care. Thank you to my husband. Um, <laughs> and then after that, um, You know, it's more like, I feel like I'm more just like, it's like, what am I doing to cope right now? And the answer is um, a lot of baking. I'm now the the mother of two different sourdough starters, which I didn't even know that that was a thing until I got one and then realized that. Yeah, that there are variations, apparently. Um, I have I have a regular sourdough starter and a San Francisco sourdough starter. Because apparently <gasps> there's a special type of yeast in San Francisco that makes everything really sour. So Ooh. I had to get out of Anyway. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> I feel like a total cliche, but um, it's working for me. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Otherwise, you know, things I'm not doing is I'm not exercising. I don't shower very often. Um, these are aspirational things I would like to It's It's been funny, too. Like, I was... Um, it's funny like my husband's go-to is exercise and my go-to is like coffee and cookies. Um which I'm totally I you know I'm not I'm not judging myself. I'm just stating the facts. Um yeah. that's pretty much it for me right now. I did buy this like uh Mari Mecco Uniqlo matching pant- shorts and top. Uh-huh. So I do feel like this weird uh-huh. desire to like I don't know. It's hard when you're never getting out, you know? Like I like yeah. I, yeah. I'm not like, I don't like love dressing up, but like when you never get to do it, it's kind of a bummer.
0: And I also feel like we're possibly more in touch with our authentic style now that we aren't constantly worried about being judged in public. Like I feel much more bold with how I want to dress and style myself at home right now than I normally do going out if that makes any sense i might
2: be the only person no it makes sense i mean i think probably yeah no i get it because i feel like we've all had those moments where we've like tried on crazy outfits and be like would this work and then like now it's like well why not yeah (laughs) yeah who cares yeah yeah exactly Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting for me because, um, we are a remote company and then I, I had in years past worked at a co-working space, but then when I was pregnant, my first trimester, I was so sick. And then after that, I was just so big, um, that I ended up working from home a lot. So I've been, you know, for the last year I have been working from home. So it's weird in a way that like, there's a part of my life that really hasn't changed. And then the rest of it is just like totally crazy. Um, it's such a weird it's so weird this is such a weird situation there's like what else can you say about it yeah i don't know it's It's truly it's
0: truly bizarre and the only kind of we're all the comforting thing is that we are all going through it at the same time so even with different experiences there's some sort of unifying thing yeah no i
2: actually think that's a really interesting for me that's been an interesting thing to reflect on is like Is that like, I don't think in the past when I have gone through something difficult, I have realized how much of the pain of that is feeling like you're the only person going through it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't think I had perspective on that until all of a sudden everybody was going through it. And I was like, wow, it really is easier (laughs) when everyone's going through it together. Um, Even though it's worse, obviously. Like, you know, I wish I was the only person suffering from the pandemic right now. Um, That would be better for everybody else. But yeah. Well,
1: Ada, it has truly been a pleasure to chat with you today. Ada, where can people find out more about Skillcrush and about you on the internet?
2: Um, The best place is just to go to skillcrush.com. We have a free coding camp um, that I encourage everyone to sign up for. And it's actually like real lessons from our classes. Um, And I think, you know, our goal with the coding camp is to show you that tech is Um, Not nearly as scary and intimidating as you think it is. Um, And, you know, like I say, like we would love for, you know, every single person listening to come and enroll and be a student. But even if all you do is get inspired to go enroll somewhere else, we're totally happy with that because, you know, the more people who are empowered by technology, I think the better for everyone, especially, you know, the more women and women of color and people who have otherwise previously not been represented in the tech community. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer. But it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and, more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at Oneskin.co. That's 15% off Oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them, and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: Okay, ready to it up? Oh, I'm I'm always ready <laughs> to intend. I mean, honestly, there's
0: so many things that I could put down here for my intention area right now. Yeah, that it's starting to feel a little overwhelming.
1: Yeah. So, did you get back to your one day, one a day one line a day journal? I did. Let me
0: just triple check to make sure I did it last night. Hmm. Uh-huh. I had like a good chunk of days off. yep, I did it. I even did it yesterday. Yes, so this so since I said this on the podcast, I have done it consistently. So I will say there is value in setting an intention, yes on up on a podcast, totally so i have been I have been getting to it. I'm really glad I have it. Um, it was, you know, I got to write my birthday and then there was kind of this nice feeling of like, oh, every year I'm going to get to see what I did on my birthday for the next five years. Like that's kind of a sweet little, sweet little treat. Yeah. I'm, I'm still down with the one a day journal. Yay. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so that, that is nice to see that I actually followed through on it. Um, this week, you know, I, I can feel, um, the ways in which my mental health challenges are starting to, uh, starting to like ramp up a
1: little bit. Mm. I know I can
0: I know myself and I know like when my anxiety, which is uh a lifetime experience for me, uh when it starts to kind of swing up again, despite yeah. the pros- despite the Prozac and the therapy and everything else. Yep. And the the first place it kind of goes is with my sleep. Mm. Like I stop I start not sleeping. And I'm doing it and I have not done this in years. This kind of like fitful sleep, not going to bed, having a hard time falling asleep. I'm really kind of uh, struggling with it. So Mm. I also know like it's good to be gentle with yourself right now and always, but especially right now, like we are in an unusual time that no one expected to exist in. So I know like you're not I'm not going to practice all my good habits or not yeah. even good habits, but I know my mental health is going to struggle. But um, I'd like to get back into going to bed and like in a productive way, going to bed earlier than I have been um, reading instead of just like screen looking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really struggling. Like I said, I, I'm having a hard time watching anything. I'm having a hard time reading. I kind of just like stare at social media for in a daze, and then like fitfully fall asleep by 1am and that's not mm. normal for me so yeah so that's mine it's a little heavy but that's that's mine this week just just kind of start start picking away at that
1: i'm all for that thank you You're how welcome. are your bath how are your bathrooms they're still pretty freaking dirty <laughs> did you clean them your intention no, was to clean them i know okay. i didn't i said it on a podcast and i didn't do it well that's the beauty of this podcast
0: is that like if you don't do it, it's also okay. That's the point of intentions. They're not it's like, true
1: you know, they're not full commitments. It's true. Um my husband struck a deal with me yesterday if i If I took over his Henry shift half an hour early, he was going to clean the bathrooms and <laughs> wait a second, what's his Henry shift? So we split up the days, got it, got it got it and he mostly has the middle of the day um because I get up with Henry and then like I come back in the, like the late afternoon. And then we are both on in the like dinner, you know, pre bath period. So if there was like a, a parenting trade going on here, yes, there's a parenting trade it, happening. Did it happen? Did the bathrooms get clean? Well, he was like, I'll clean the whole house. If you, if you start at three thirty instead of four, um, and I was like, "Really, including the bathrooms?" And he was like, "Yeah." And there is a there is a can of kaboom out in our bathroom, but I do not believe anything has been actually cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, we we will something will happen this week. It has to. It's just getting ridiculous. May um, I?
0: May I share? Just a quick anecdote. Yes. On that kind of like swap. Anthony and I once made a deal that if he did the dishes every night, like washed the dishes and loaded them in the dishwasher, I would fill the humidifier because he hates filling humidifiers. I don't know why. Like that's amazing. That takes two seconds. And I hate doing the dishes. So that was our trade. It made no sense, but it worked. So sometimes. Sometimes he's got to make these weird trades. Totally.
1: Totally. Anyway, I'm sorry. What do you have on the schedule for this week? So I also was going to have a sleep-based intention. I have also been staying up way too late, like turning out lights at like eleven thirty, eleven forty-five, which is too late for me. Like I'm waking up tired. I I need a ten p.m. curfew. Like I need to start my bedtime routine at ten.
0: I think I do, too. And you know what? I will confess one of the things that's been keeping me up is that I've been playing freaking Animal Crossing on Nintendo.
1: Yeah. I do try- you have the
0: same well, thing to confess or no?
1: No, I try not to bring it into bed. I did bring it into bed last night because I hadn't played all night because I was I had my Mahjong game last night, <laughs> my weekly Mahjong game. Um. Uh, uh, so I was like, I'll just play a little bit of Animal Crossing before bed. But by the time I got into bed, I was so tired that I barely played any. What I usually, what has been, what I have been doing is getting into bed, writing in my one line a day journal, playing like two, maybe three hands of Mahjong and then going to sleep. Uh, and you're able to fall right asleep even after having that
0: kind of brain stimulation.
1: Usually, Yeah. Because I'm usually so tired by the time... Like, I'm, like, falling asleep playing Mahjong. Yeah, yeah. um, That I just, like, conk out. But it's too late for me. So I I, I need to recalibrate. All right. Well, are, are you on your
0: phone? Like, if I sent you a text tonight at 10 that was like, go to bed, go mist your face. Ooh. Yeah. Do it. Would you be on your phone? Or have you already put your phone away by that point?
1: I mean, I... Shouldn't be on my phone anymore, <laughs> but you might be. But I might be, but I'm going to try to not be. Okay, okay, so all right, let's try. Okay, let's try. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as always. And yeah, we appreciate you. We do. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir and Kate Spencer I'm produced and Woo! edited by Sammy Junio. <laughs> and Sam Reed is our project manager. And we will talk to you in a couple of days. Bye. Bye.